This podcast is brought to you by Church of Living Waters. Find out more information at colw.info. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Lord, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to speak just a few minutes today. Just encourage you to bring your Bibles. Um, you know, I know there's all types of, of technology and all types of things, but there's nothing better than just the old Bible. And I don't know if you have one. Uh, many of us um, have many of them in our home, and there's many countries that are just um, dying just to get a few pages of this and just take a few pages and it will change their lives. I have a group of men that I've encouraged to read, and we read every day with them. And I'm telling you, just reading these holy scriptures will start changing you. Amen. I believe that. And well, well, pastor, I don't really even understand it. I don't really, you just start in Proverbs and Proverbs will start just jumping off at you. Start in the book of James and boy, the book of John. And I'm telling you, if you just invest in reading, I just want you just, just to invest and clean your Bibles off. Amen. Dust them off and bring them to church. It's important as we look in them. Um, this morning, Genesis chapter four, verse one, I'm going to read just a few scriptures. Now, Adam and Eve, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and born Cain um, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of his firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, um, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And it's the desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and he killed his own brother. And you know that those scriptures are very powerful as we come. First of all, I want you to see that, you know, with sin that came in the world, um, Eve was not complaining about having her son. She said, this is a, a man of the Lord. She knew what she was going to go through. She knew it wasn't her son's fault that she was going to go through birthing pains. You know, as we look at these scriptures, and I'll just give a little bit. I'm not going to preach this morning on this. I want to preach about our kids. I want to preach about fighting amongst our kids. I want to preach about this morning raising up our kids, believing for a generation. But why was God okay with what Abel brought and he wasn't okay with what Cain brought? It doesn't, it doesn't say, you know, doesn't, doesn't want us to know that he's not proud of you, not proud of what you do, not proud of what you bring. But in that day, there was an offering of a sacrifice that everyone knew that Adam taught both of his sons what the sacrifice was. Sacrifice had to be, it had to be blood. And so both Cain and Abel knew this. Abel brings that blood sacrifice and Cain brings his first fruits. And Cain, knowing bringing that to the Lord, knowing that that's not what the sacrifice was. So God was 
upset with Cain because Cain knew what he was supposed to bring and he brought something else. You know, how many of us know what we're supposed to do, but we do something else? We know what God wants us to do. We know what he's called us to do, but we offer up a different sacrifice. We bring some of our first things. We bring some of the things that we want to give. And God today is still the same. He does not accept that sacrifice. Praise the Lord. We don't have to cut lambs anymore that the lamb of Christ has been cut, that the blood flew from him, flowed out of him. But it's the same thing that we need to look at. And we see it doesn't show in the in these scriptures that Cain and Abel had a terrible relationship. We don't know that it doesn't doesn't say that they hated each other. It said that they were out in the field and Cain could not accept what Abel did. And what did he do? He killed him. The first murder. The Bible continues to talk about how his blood cried out from the ground. And let me tell you this. If you are choosing righteousness and you're choosing the way of the Lord and you're choosing these things, no matter what people say, even if it's just bringing the right thing, even if it's just doing the right thing, guess what? People are not going to like it. Cain killed his brother Abel because Abel did something right and it made Cain look bad. Come on. And how many times are we wanting to do the right thing? We're trying to do the right thing. I've seen a man come to the Lord and his family was excited because he came out of drugs. He came out of alcohol. He came out of a lot of addictions. But soon, very soon, his family, they were not happy anymore. They wanted him to come back and be kind of what they were again. Because see him out of drugs, him out of alcohol, when they're watching a game and he's not drinking and everyone else is, it makes him look like the goody guy. And they couldn't stand to have this goody guy around them because it showed them and they knew I cannot be and do what he's doing. So let's bring him back to what we are, even though he's set free, even though. And that's what this this mentality, a cane mentality will bring. It will bring this thing of maybe in this day you will not be killed like Abel, but you'll be talked about. Maybe you won't have to. Be what Abel did, but people will group up around and speak bad about you. They'll call you things, even people amongst us. Why? Because you're doing the right thing. And they know what the right thing is, but they just will not do the right thing. They've not surrendered to the Lord. They've not, they've not come to their end. They've not come to a place where, God, I'm broken in front of you. I will be obedient to you, God. I will do what you've asked me to do. You know, as we look at this ministry, I praise the Lord. I, I, I was listening to some past prophecies over my life and not all, all do I have, not that I have a bunch, but I just happened to, to tape one of them here recent, a couple of years ago. And when I received this prophecy, it was like, ah, oh, wow, I don't know about that one. You know, oh, she missed that one. <laughs> But listening to it today, I am completely 100% involved with what that prophecy said. God knows what he's doing. Two years ago, I had no clue what I would be doing today, fulfilling something that God has in front of me. God is speaking in this hour. He's speaking now. Something in this ministry, and you see, I, I take time in this church to show videos like that. Why? Because I'm proud of these 12 kids that went. 
And I'll invest in those 12 kids or however many went. I'll invest in your children. I'll invest in your youth. And people have asked me, well, well, pastor, you're, you're just like a children and youth pastor. Yes, that's good. Because I'm believing that that generation is going to rise up. I'm not giving up on them. Do you know there's churches around all around us that don't have youth ministry? That don't have children's ministry. And the pastors will say, well, the adults are important. And praise the Lord, yes, the adults are important. But I believe the adults are important. I believe the youth are important. I believe the children are important. I'm not giving up. See, we have to have a generation that's rising up that's unashamed. Come on. You know, it's a pro proven fact that if children receive Christ, many of them receive Christ before the age of 18. And that after that age, many of them will never receive him again. Why don't we just go for them with everything we have before they're 18? Doesn't mean that we give up on them. We were today, some of the, the folks were in a retirement home. Yes, we're going into a retirement home, age 80, age 90, believing for salvation. Youth and children are not the only things that we do, but it's the most important thing that we do. Just like the important thing of the, do you hear what I'm saying today? It's important that we invest in them. You know, kids have been fighting from the very beginning. And um, something that was in my mom and dad's home is that us kids did not fight with each other because we're brother and sister. And boy, there was times where my brother did all kinds of things to me and I wanted to just do everything to him. And it was a long time in my life that I would get beat down by my older brother. And if you younger brothers know what I'm talking about. And he had control because mom and dad were not there all the time. And although we couldn't fight in front of them, boy, when they left, the doors got locked. <laughs> but there was a time when I was about 10th grade where I was bigger than my, than my brother. And boy, he came and he hit me. And I turned around and I hit him back. And it was the last time he ever hit me. <laughs> Kids have been fighting since the first family. What can we do to overcome the rivalry that we have with children? Uh, me and my wife are raising kids. We have two, two biological daughters, but we have six children in our home. We have two foster sons. We have grandbabies from our foster sons, four already. We have a lot that's coming. I will always be a father. The Lord has put in me a father's heart. And so that father's heart can go into men right now and it can speak into them. It can find young people and it can speak. Do you know what? Do you know what, guys? God has put in every man the heart of a father. Now, if you're allowing that to be birthed in you, if you're allowing that to be used then it's up to you. But that heart has been created by God to be a heart of the Father. And the Lord is going to call in this hour. He's going to turn the Father's hearts, what? Back to the children. Do you believe that? I believe that today. Is your children, are they a burden? Or are they a blessing? It's something we have to see. Because I'll have many, many people bring in a kid and boy, this kid can't even be controlled. And they say, please do something with this kid. What is wrong with that kid? 
I have a simple answer. The parents are what's wrong with that kid. Kids are kids. Oh, I have some hyper ones. Yeah. I got some laid back ones. Praise the Lord for the differences that he just doesn't give us two or three kids and they're exactly the same. Yeah. Well, they're what? Completely different. It's like you both have come from us and you are completely different. What's up with that? It's because me and her are completely different. Amen. And praise the Lord that there's some children that have great energy. Um, one of the guys that got baptized, what is his name? Nathaniel. I saw him at a homeless outreach the other night. We went and he did Mission Jerusalem and they did this game and he was standing with these homeless guys and they were going to win $5 and it was, how long can you jump on one foot, one leg? Boy, I'm telling you, he was going to take that $5 from these homeless guys. <laughs> it's like, I don't care if you're hungry or not. You don't know what kind of energy I have. You don't know who I am. I love to see that energy. When I first met him, he just does circles around me just with this energy. It's like, man, calm down, man. <laughs> you know? Thank God for that. Let me tell you what, Nathaniel, God's given you that energy, brother. He's given it to you to go out into this world right now where you are and give God all of that energy. It's needed. And we have to see um, a lot of those type of kids. What do we do? We put them on medication to calm them down. I'm telling you, if, if teachers and these people are telling you that your children need this and need that, you do some research yourself and you go to the Lord yourself and see what your kids need. Because you'll stand in front of him one day. I've always known this. A hyperactive kid needs a belt. <laughs> Sorry, Nathaniel. <laughs> are your kids a blessing or are they, are they fighting? Other than receiving the gift of eternal life, the entrance of a child into a home is the most blessed event. I'll never forget seeing our first daughter born, Christina. And um, I've said this a lot. My wife was there and boy, I went through the breathing with her, all the techniques and whatever that was called, Lamaze or something. That was a long time ago. Is that what it's called? Boy, the pillows. Did Blake go through all that? Oh, kind of. Okay. Any of you guys know what I'm talking about? <sighs> You know, and all of that. And I found out that I did all of that and it was no good. Because when that pain came, I was, I was just no good. And uh, I thought I was going to faint. <laughs> and I needed some breathing techniques. I think they did all this for me, you know. And my wife said, go get a Coke. <laughs> so I'll never forget drinking a Diet Coke and she's having a baby. And um, I knew at that point that she's going to tell us how many children we're going to have. I want to have a whole bunch, but this isn't fair. <laughs> and you know, every man thinks about this. Boy, I wish Eve wouldn't have ate that apple, you know. <laughs> Adam ate it too. The children in your home are God's gifts to you. How many of you know that? Miss Marino, it doesn't matter even how old they get, does it? That gift even becomes more precious. Some of the older children that are older and praise the Lord for grandchildren, but they will always be a gift. 
God's created us in family. He's given us mothers. He's given us fathers. A lot of that has been broken down and, and taken away from you because of what the enemy, but we have to go back to the original plan that our children are gifts from the Lord. Some parents um, prefer the child. Sometimes they, they prefer one child over the other. Sometimes they say this pregnancy was a surprise. Sometimes they say we didn't plan for you. Your child will sense this and feel at a very young age that he was a mistake, that she was a mistake or unwanted. Maybe she's a burden. If one of your children was a surprise, you let the best secret out and say, I thank God for this beautiful surprise that he gave us. Eve gratefully recognized God as a source of her first child. Genesis 4.1, she did not associate the pain of childbearing with the child. And I've seen my wife have a child. I haven't seen too many others have children. Our second child, we're at the hospital here in town and um, it was a fast thing. I mean, boy, this was like, Michaela was coming out really quick. And um, right at the end, you know, ladies, when that baby's coming, there's a group of students that come in from Wharton County Junior College to observe. I'm like, we didn't sign for that. <laughs> Praise the Lord, none of them were in our youth group. <laughs> Goodness. We have to assure each child of their worth. Come on, am I speaking to you today? And let me tell you this, sometimes there's no parents in these children's lives that we as a church, we have to continue to speak into these children's life, their worth, that they've been created. Let me just turn, one, Psalms 139. If you have your Bibles, you could just turn there. One thirty nine, verse thirteen. It's real clear. For you have been formed, I formed your inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and your book, um, they are all written. The days fashioned for me when as it yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. It just continues that each one of our children is a gift from the Lord. You know, I'm here to speak this. And um, this week, I'm going to be with a friend of mine, Mike Rosas. And he's speaking in a foster home, a foster camp. And I'm going to be getting to go with him over 200 kids in foster care at a camp. And we're going to speak and preach the gospel there. But those foster kids, guess what they need? They need a home. They need a home. And um, I just, I just want to continue to put that in front of us as a church. Because you, you can have all these thoughts, all these fears. But I'm telling you, if we bring in these foster kids into a loving home, a loving environment as this church, we will see salvation come in their lives.
we will see a complete change happen in their lives. Every child is unsure in their lives. God's plan includes a role for each one of us in advancing the kingdom in that child's world. God speaks very clearly that these are gifts of the Lord. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what they're going through, God wants us to believe each one's salvation. God wants us to, to bring them to places. You know, I was just writing the last, this morning, just a few things about the last four years of our youth ministry. And our youth ministry, the last few years have been to New Orleans, Jacksonville, Daytona Beach, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Puerto Rico, Guatemala, Jamaica, Costa Rica, St. Thomas, St. Croix. And I can continue to speak. Why? Why, why is that? What, what, uh, Jamaica, how about the adults? Come on. Any adults ready to go to Jamaica? You can go. We'll set you up with all kinds of ministry. I'm not against taking adults places, but I'm all for taking youth places. And the reason is because we are shaping our young people to serve the Lord. And we know this, and we're starting with them at children, shaping them to say, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We want you, and we're going to take you everywhere and anywhere to serve the Lord because we believe in you. And we know that God is going to use you and use you mightily. See, as we do that, then they become the 19, 20, 21-year-olds going into the campuses, starting campus ministry. Come on. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe that it's not void or it's not just a waste of time us speaking into our children and youth. I believe it's one of the most important things that we do. Praise the Lord. As we come together, we have to verbally remind our children that they have a position in the family. Um, you know, some things that me and my wife do, I'm not going to get in a bunch of things. We don't get into arguments about shotgun. Any families know what I'm talking about? No? Well, you must have this all worked out. This thing of who gets to ride in the front seat? You got me now? We've, we've settled that a long time ago, and we settled this quite easily. The oldest child rides in the front seat. So don't even ask for it, because whoever's the oldest, they ride in the front. And not always is the oldest going to be there, so when it's just me and Kennedy, she rides in the front. <laughs> but if Kennedy is there with Hayden, Kennedy will not ride in the front. She will not even ask for it. Some very simple things that we stop any type of arguing, any type of frustration with kids running back there, calling things, doing stuff with just a, 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 a team effort. I'm thankful that my mom and dad taught me and taught us as kids that we're a team. And, you know, back in the day, families used to be farmers and the whole family would own a store and the whole family. We, if you want to go see this, go to Restoration Thrift Shop. Brandon and Aaron, their whole family is running that. And what happens with that, everybody has a place. But see, if kids just sit around on video games all day long, and they just, it's about me, we're teaching them the ways of the world, and they're never going to be settled with anything. There's always going to be a new video game. There's always going to be something new that they want. And we can't keep up. We shouldn't keep up with the world. 
I'm okay with our kids having things, but they don't have to have the very best things right when they come out, waiting all night long for that video game to come out. They can wait. And the reason is, is that I've had to wait on the Lord so many times in my life. He was not a microwave. He was not a fast food window. I had to sit and I had to wait on him. And I'm so thankful that my dad many times would say no to me. Probably every fifth time I would get a yes. But those four times would be no, you're not going. No, you're going to stay home. No. And I had to learn quickly how to hear no. Praise the Lord. The Lord, the Bible speaks to us about not playing favorites. We look at a huge story of, of great deception Great division in the story of Joseph with a coat of many colors. Why? Because his mother loved him. And boy, this set him up for great failure. It's, it's, it's wrong for us as parents to have favorites with our children. They're all our children. Amen. I heard someone say recently, they're my favorite because they're individually created and they're completely different. So yes, you can say you're my favorite. You're my favorite. You're my favorite. But you need to be speaking to every one of them and you need to be explaining that to them. (laughs) Come on. The enemy loves to sneak in on any of these things that we're doing as a family. Um, Maybe we have a kid that's just perfect and then we have a kid that just has a difficult time being perfect. The Lord's shaping us. The Lord's shaping you. Maybe he's giving you that child to shape you some ways. (laughs) Come on. All right. The Lord's asked us to develop in our children, to speak into them, to encourage them. I'm all for this church. I trust the leadership of this church. You're not going to see me not put my youth in youth ministry. Well, pastor, you're the, you, you know that. No, I, I'm going to invest in my kids. They're not going to come and tell me that a trip costs $200. And guess what? Now, I have four kids going to camp that costs $315. That's a lot of money, isn't it? I haven't even done the math yet. Maybe a few of you aren't going. I don't know yet. (laughs) But guess what? I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid because what's going to happen in that week in that camp could change their lives. And how much do I want to invest in my own children? See, I either invest in them now, that's what my dad said. I even invest in them right now as they're young, or I'll have to invest in them their whole life. Come on. See, there's a time that we invest in our children, we do the right thing in them, we lead them, we raise them up, and eventually they invest back into us. And I'm not talking about financial things. But there are some kids that will never be able to invest back in their parents because we've not invested in them. And I'm talking about money. I'm talking about camps. Praise the Lord for this unashamed camp that was free. But it's really sad for me to see a family not send their kids to like a mission Jerusalem when it costs $50. That's not even enough to feed the kid the whole week. Come on. Well, pastor, we have all these kids. Get that kid a lawnmower. Come on. There was nothing I was not going to do because I had a lawnmower and I was going to walk with that lawnmower and I was going to make the money to go to camp. So if it needs to be that, then you help that kid do that. Sometimes it's much better for your kid to do that than you just to write a check for them. 
Because they'll understand that it takes something to receive something. Come on. Are you here with me today? It's important that we invest in the next generation. It's important that we speak into them. But I want to say this, that if you have a hard time trusting the ministries of the church that you're in and you've not done anything about it, you need to be careful. What I mean by that, if you have a hard time trusting the youth ministry and you haven't been to the youth pastor and spoke what you have a hard time trusting, then you're not doing any good. And your kid's missing out. Come on. And it's not about missing out on these things. I'm so thankful that my dad taught me that he was going to raise me and some other people were going to raise me also. (laughs) That I'm going to go into youth ministry, children's ministries, and I'm not going to miss. I'm going to put my sticker up every time I go. And let me tell you this. There's children that would rather be at at church than adults will rather be. There's a lot of these youth that are here and their parents aren't here. It's because we're investing in those guys and we have to continue to invest in them. We have to continue to believe. See, I believe that if a young person's coming to church by themselves, that they could be the change of their entire family. That they could see their whole family come to the Lord. Or we'll just start with them and their entire family, their wife, their children will be a completely changed and transformed. I'm not going to be a pastor that's going to give up on our young people. Come on. Amen. I'm not going to be a pastor that's going to give up on our kids once they turn 17, 18 and they send them off to college. No, we're going to continue to invest in them. We're going to continue to believe in them. We're going to believe in them even if they fall. We're going to go after them if they fall. And we're going to bring remembrance to who they are and who Christ is on the inside of them. Pastor, we're past that stage. Let me tell you, if you're saying that, you're needed in that stage. If you're past that stage and you don't have children in your home anymore and you don't have a bunch going on, then you can start investing back in another generation. I think I'm going to live to be 100. Isn't that something, 100 years old? I'm hoping Rock of Ages is coming to the place I'm going to be at doing church. (laughs) Come on. Because at 100, I probably will be in a place. But if I'm in that place, guess what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be evangelizing. I'm going to be speaking to my neighbor. But I'm believing. And I guarantee you at that age, praise the Lord, I'll be in my right mind. I'll be speaking into youth and into children. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on this generation. I'm believing for God to move and move with power. The differences um, shouldn't be a source of division. They should be a source of strength. Um, I heard a a marriage guy yesterday, a counselor, say that him and his wife, they disagree. They're completely 98% different and they're 2% the same. And the 2% that they're the same is that they love Jesus and they love to eat out. (laughs) I'm like, wow. And he says, we've made a great team together. I think he said four words that he learned. I, I can't even think of it, but, but the, um, the quick version is, is yes, ma'am, you're right. <laughs> Come on, guys. 
You know, the thing is, is that in our families, we're in a generation that, that we're losing our kids, that we're sending them to areas that those areas are taking advantage of them. I'm telling you, they're being taken advantage of in the school system right now. I'm not saying we have to gird them, we have to strengthen them, we have to prepare them, but you better be cleansing them and cleaning them when they come home from school. It's so important of what's going on in our time that over 40 years ago, my mom and dad started thinking about planting a Christian school for this day right now. For this day. Christian education for right now. Pulling our kids. If you're part of this church, a member of this church, you should be speaking to me about this Christian school. It is the way that's going to come alongside and help you with your kids. Amen. I might step on some toes today, but I care about your kids. I'm not saying they can't make it. I'm saying that with Christ, all things are possible. I'm just saying that if a family is successful, our whole, whole, whole family needs to be. If I go out and I reach the whole world for Christ, but I don't reach my own children. We're known by the fruit and they're walking with us and they're driving with us and they're in our homes every day. And you say, well, goodness, yes, yeah, a lot of our kids have made mistakes, but we're believing for them. We're believing they're going to come back. The story's not over with yet. Come on. Don't don't rake me right now because it's not finished yet. You watch how I don't give up. You watch how we continue. You watch how we believe. You watch one day. When Christ says to our family, come on in, you're welcome. Is that what you're believing? Not giving up. It doesn't matter how old they are. Doesn't matter what I see. Doesn't matter what's going on. No, God, you've given me that child and they're a gift and they're a blessing. And I've made mistakes with them, but I believe that you've covered those mistakes. And God, I am on my hands and my knees and I'm believing for each one of them. Can't give up on them, guys. You hear this message last week, we can't give up on the men. I believe that many men are going to come back to the Lord and hearts of the children are going to start changing. There's nothing more powerful than a man speaking into a 13, 14, all ages, but a 13-year-old little girl and to speak, honey, I love you. Honey, I'm going to fight for you. Honey, I'm not going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be there when you need me. See, what she's hearing, she's hearing from a father, but she's hearing God the Father. That there will be a day that I won't be there. But God the Father will never leave her. He will fight for her. He will be there all the time for her. Guys, we have to open up our eyes. We're not living in a make-believe world. The Lord was showing me this. Where we come to a place like this and we receive and we say yes, and we say amen, and we bow down, and we sing worship and uh, praises. But then we go out, and there are people all around us that are dead, that are dying, and we do nothing about them. We don't have a voice. We don't have... See, there's only some truths. There's some real truths in this world. And one of the truths that's coming is that Jesus is coming back. A truth that's coming is that there's a real hell and there's a real heaven. A truth that's coming... That every man, every woman will have to face. Why isn't it not more important to us even now? Well, well, Pastor, I'm going to be there. 
Well, what about your children? What about your family? What about your mom? What about your dad? What about your neighbor? What about your coworker? Does the Lord started piercing your heart for others? And if he hasn't started piercing your heart for others, then we need to really talk about where you are. Because really quickly, a piercing comes into your heart and it's for your neighbor. And it's for your brother. And it's for your sister. And it's for your children. And if we're living that life, kind of like that kid that's getting that video game every time it comes out, and it's a me life, and it's what I want life, we're going to miss out on what, what God has for our lives. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. God will use a heart that's surrendered to him, and he will allow himself, come on, to be used mightily amongst you. It's most of the time in my life, not so much what I say. I can go into Walmart today and people will come to me. And one, yes, that they know me here, but I can go anywhere and they're going to come to me because guess what? The spirit of the Lord is recognized. I can sit next to someone and I can know if they're saved or not because the spirit of the Lord that's in me can recognize the spirit of the Lord that's in them. And I know that. And people will come to that recognition of the spirit of the Lord and they'll come and say, what do I do to be saved? I'm not against preaching. I'm not against going out. But the world is hungry and they're starving and they're looking for something. They're looking for Jesus. Let me just tell you, it might not look like it, but that's what they're searching for. Let's be that Jesus. Amen. I have a vision. And there'll be hundreds of families here at Church Living Waters that the man and the woman are going to be husband and wife, a mighty couple. A lot of training has been done in marriages, a lot's coming. And that their children are going to be blessed by the Lord. And they're going to be covered by the Lord. And they're going to be used by the Lord. And families are going to be used in this kingdom of God. Dad, God called my dad. Guess what? He also called me. God's called me and Camila. He's also called every one of our children. We're believing for them to be preachers, evangelists. Yeah, one of them might be a nurse, but she sure is going to be a good preacher and a good evangelist in a place that she's needed. Come on. One of them might be this, but boy, she's going to be a, a prophet speaking to those people wherever God puts her. Really quickly, time's running out. And we know that, but we're going to see many, many things happen in this hour. Many things like miracles, many things are coming for those that believe and those that are faithful. So praise the Lord. You know, I'm praying for men today, and I'm going to continue to pray for men. If you have children, youth or children, that are not living for the Lord, I want you to write them on a piece of paper. We're filling up the prayer room. We're believing for these people. Um, I'm believing for a summer of salvation. You say, well, it's almost over with. Summer's almost... Kids don't like to hear summer's almost over with, do they? <laughs> oh, no, it's not over with. God can move and he can move with power. If you'd stand with me today.
I've gained a lot more successes in my life because I've fell, fallen and I've failed miserably. And in those times of falling, I've got up and I said, God, I need your help not to fall again like that. And I've, I've, I've not taken those things lightly. I've made sure that I was going to rise up and not do the same thing over and over and over. And how my whole life has been set is that, God, I come to you and you speak to me about my day. God, I meet you in the closet. You know, there's a yearning even in me today to get with him. So I need to find that moment today, that time to fall on my face and just say, here I am, God. Have you ever got that? Have you ever got that yearning? Just like I need to get away. I need to get with him. I need to spend some time with him. It's not so much what he's going to speak to me or what he's going to do for me. I'm not going in looking for something. I'm going in because there's a longing, a yearning for me just to be there with him. In a, in a time of quietness, a time of silence, a time of God, here I am. Renew in me, God, the salvation that you placed in me. God, renew in me, God. Clean my heart. Cleanse me today, God. It's what helps me continue to stay focused in God and his purpose and plan. So I spoke about men and women and men and children. Women, don't, don't worry, I'm coming. I'm coming your way. Praise the Lord for women. It's amazing that God says that when you find a wife, guess what? You find what? Come on, man. You find a good thing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say if you find a husband, you found something good. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. <laughs> just going to ask you if you have your family here today, any of your kids, I just want you just to get with your kids. If your kids are not here, just want you just to pray over them, pray for them, think about them. Don't give up on them, no matter how old they are. Thank you, Jesus. If you see a young person that's by themselves, I can just get a woman maybe to go to a girl and maybe a man to go to a young guy. It's okay, youth, that if your parents are not here, it's okay. God is moving and he's moving in your life and that's gonna be enough. You're gonna see God, you're gonna see him move. We have a young lady named Rebecca that's here from Monterey, Mexico. So I want you to greet her and meet her. And if just a lady could come and just a woman come and just pray over her right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Father, we're believing for men, mighty men of God, mighty, mighty men, God. God, we pray for this Wednesday night as the men come together. God, we pray that you quicken in the hearts of men again, God, to come and to receive. God, we pray as the women come together and be taught of the Lord. God, we continue to believe for our young people, for our youth, God, for our children. God, we believe for that 10 kids that's graduating high school this year. We're not giving up on them. We're not pushing them out. We're believing for them, God. 
We're believing that you're doing a work in them even now, Father. God, we believe, God, that families are going to be restored. That husbands are going to come back to their wives and they're going to come back a changed, different man, a man of God. And that children are going to come together, no matter how old they are. And they're going to fall down as that man fell down on his face and he says, I surrender. I see hundreds of men coming, surrendering unto the Lord, bowing a knee, saying, God, I give you my life. I see women right behind them. I see families. Just going to ask some of the men, if you're not praying, just to come here with Mark. Mark's going to be moving to the Abilene area. This will be his last Sunday with us for a little season, but he'll be back because this is home. If a few of you men can just come and surround Mark and just pray over him today. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, we worship you, God. Just right where you are, if you could just worship him. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. Thank you for Mark, God. Yes, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, Father. Yes, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, we pray, God, over your people, Father, here. God, you brought us all together. God, all different, all kinds of differences here, God. We pray over... Jumi, we pray over um, the ones that have traveled, God, this summer, going back to their families. God, we just pray for grace. We receive, Rebecca, we receive the, the family coming from Norway. God, we receive and we release, God. We release Mark, Father, knowing that you are God. Knowing that you, he loves you. Knowing that we're in relationship with him. Knowing, Father, that you're going to continue with him. Knowing, Father, that this is home to him. Knowing, God, that we'll see him soon. 
bring comfort into him today. Thank you, Father. God bless you today. Why don't you just greet someone in his name? Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray you were encouraged and would love to hear from you. For more information on Church of Living,